Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week is the first of our Robin Hood month. That's right, there are so many Robin Hood films and we haven't done any of them that we're going to catch up very quickly over the month of July by watching four different films. And the first we're going to watch is probably the oldest one we're going to watch. It's 1938's The Adventures of Robin Hood. And joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it is Dr. Carmen Dolly. Hello, how are you? Long time no speak on podcasts. Yes, yes, lots of speak out of podcasts. <laughs> yes, but it, indeed, yes, it's, yeah. I can't remember the last one you were on, Dr. Carmen. I honestly can't either. It's a yes. bit... um. Nope, 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 it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Well, what have you been doing the last few months that's kept you so busy? Uh, a little thing called exams, mm-hmm. and a little thing called work, and that's kind of about it, really. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they've been taking up a fair amount of time, as you can appreciate. Excellent, but yeah. we've managed to sneak you away for a trip back to 1938, for a further trip back to the 11th century <laughs> as we watch uh, a Robin Hood film. What What do you know about this, this Robin Hood film? Uh, pretty much nothing. Errol Flynn. Um, I'm gonna assume 1938. I'm gonna assume it's probably the first sound adaptation. Um, I actually don't know. No. Um, I know that there were soundless versions from the twenties. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't actually know if there was no. a Robin Hood film. There would have been ten years of sound. Given how many Robin Hood films there are, I'm going to say there probably was, yeah, yeah. but we will we will check that in the break. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe one of the first colour ones as well. Who's to we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll look that up as well. Yes, we'll 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 do that research yeah. as we watch. Uh, but so, do, do you like Robin Hood just as a general mythic figure? Um, I mean, it's it's not something I particularly feel passionate about one way or another. Hmm. I mean, I'm I'm certainly in a mood to sit down and watch something that. Um, Seems like it's going to be very low um, emotional investment, which mm-hmm. is fine. You know, a good swashbuckler, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do love Men in Tights. I really love Men in Tights. but mm. um, The film or just in general? <laughs> both, both, yes. yeah. But the, the film is something I watched a lot growing up. Um, and that that holds a dear place in my heart. But Robin Hood, I mean, it's... It's a thing. It's a thing. Mm. It's a thing. It's a thing that we're going to be discovering a bit more about today. Um, Luckily, we have someone who has seen the film before, and uh, I'm presuming wearing a lovely pair of tights beneath his trousers. (laughs) It is uh, filmmaker Robert Woods. Hello. It is pretty chilly, so... Yeah, yeah. Thermal leggings is what we'll call it. Um, How are you, Robert? Yeah, about a seven. About a seven. Yes, it's been a while since you've been on as well. Uh, The Apple was Uh, the last time you were on. And Delicious. I was so frustrated by that film, I gave you a 10-week ban, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But we are back. And uh, uh, talking of apples, obviously, uh, Robin Hood, I presume, ate them. And at the very least, maybe shot one with an arrow and a well, William I mean, Tell kind of w- stuff. William Tell did that, but I, I, presumably Robin Hood I'm does pre- as well. Yeah, Robin Hood must have done it, or at least some other form of fruit, like a satsuma. Look, truth be told, the last time I saw this film was about three decades ago. I oh, did, really? I did watch it, like... I distinctly remember watching it quite a few times growing up as a kid. Mm. And I remember certain things from it. At least I think it's from this. Maybe I've conflated it with all the other Robin Hoods mm. that have come <laughs> in the interim. Like, but mm. no, I'm pretty sure that I, I do remember. Stuff. But I am intrigued to watch it again today to see how my memory of it mm. matches what I think of it now. It, normally around this point is where I say to the guest who has seen the film, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, can you tell us about this film? But given that it's Robin well, it's Hood... It's Robin Hood, yeah. Like, <laughs> most Robin Hood films, 
are kind of the same film just it's yeah. how they're made that is, yeah. is the interest and we're, obviously we're going to be doing um we are going to be doing men in tights in a couple mm. of weeks and we're also going to be definitely looking at say the disney version from 1973 ah, yes, yeah. oh, um, with the hamster dance w- yes we, and they're, <laughs> they're all basically the same story mm. uh, spoilers for people who are tuning in if you've not seen any of them but i, I suppose the interesting thing with this version is this seems to be the version which is always harkened back to in sort of mm. film history as like this was the first really definitive screen yeah. adaptation. This of- one mm. created all of the archetypes. Yeah, in terms of cinematic mm. world. What, so like the the men in tights and green outfits. There, there or- are men in green tights in this one galore, yeah. jumping out yeah. of trees, fighting okay. on bridges over creeks. Okay. Sword fighting up and down staircases, mm. like love it. All all the things, archery. Yep. You know, you all all the all the classic Robin Hood yeah. uh, iconography. Mm. I'm Bring pretty sure, on. like stemmed <laughs> from this. With a lot of very very rosy cheeked Technicolor looking mm. uh, merry people. <laughs> and um, Robin Hood. As as a story, as a bit of mythology, are you are you a big fan of it, Robert? Um, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I probably would have said, yeah, it's great. Um, uh, but the the last couple of adaptations have really kind of killed it for me. Oh no! <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I think I think we're done. I think we're we've reached Peter Pan levels of Robin Hood now, mm. where I just do not ever need to see another adaptation of <laughs> Robin Hood. I'm fine. Like they've been done. It's mm. done. We can, Maybe we can finish this now. <laughs> Maybe leave it for a few decades. Yeah. See if we can come up with with something else. Uh, okay. Well, with all that being said, shall we watch the Adventures of Robin Hood? Yes. Let's rekindle my passion for the, the franchise. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. For those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to speak treason fluently as we watch the Adventures of Robin Hood. And welcome back, everybody. We've just finished watching The Adventures of Robin Hood from 1938. And I'm joined uh, by my two special guests, uh, Robert of Woods. Hello. And uh, Dr. Carmen of Dolly. Hello. Uh, Dr. Carmen, that was your first time watching The 1938 Adventures of Robin Hood. What did you think? Yeah, it was was fun. Yeah, Mm. I mean, it was nothing... Nothing beyond what I expected, but it was very enjoyable to watch, and um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm, yeah. It was it was my first time watching it as well. Uh, mm. I, I think I had the experience of like seeing clips of like the the big fights in the castle, yeah, but yeah. but not the actual whole film. It's pretty fun. It's it it, yeah. Fun. It's it's um, as you were saying before, you know, you were kind of hoping for like just a swashbuckling adventure nothing too emotionally taxing mm. and i feel as though this film delivered exactly that yeah, it fit the bill exactly yes I, I sort of miss those old films sometimes where you know it's like you see like the, the graphics card of oh and the citizens were being tortured and it was terrible and it's like they're getting some wine splashed on them yeah. and then you know they, they, they hold a girl by the shoulders while she's screaming and that's the extent of their torture and it's like oh those yeah. were simpler times i like that yeah, yeah yeah it's like oh they're being shoved a bit that's yeah. that's all that's all we need yeah <laughs> Uh, yes, Robert, um, you said that you last watched this maybe 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, how, how was it for you? Um, it, it, it was, yeah, how I had remembered it in my head. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, definitely a lot of the images 
<laughs> were were there. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, and it, it was like I said, mainly a bunch of guys in tights jumping out of trees. Like, <laughs> yeah, which was there was the a predominant lot of, memory yeah. of this film. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a lot of it. I know we were expecting it. There was a surprising amount of it. <laughs> it was, it was, it's really fun. It's really, um, I, I'm, I'm surprised how joyous it is almost well yeah, it's yeah. because everybody goes ha, 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 yeah, every single got line. whether it's a bad thing or a good thing that's their response yeah <laughs> i suppose that's true yeah they are very much merry men the yeah men that are in this. um the story as you're going to hear for the next few weeks the story is uh robin of loxley uh has become an outlaw because the vile prince john is trying to usurp his brother's throne because his brother very wisely decided to go and fight in the crusades and uh, apparently left a power vacuum back at home <laughs> whoopsie uh so yes prince john Ooh, he's he's gonna do it but he's not doing it alone there's sir guy who i forgot <laughs> the rest of his name but yeah, Sir Guy and Basil Rathbone in this film and uh, a bishop and the Sheriff of Nottingham and all this uh, cavalcade of bastards basically being like, yeah, we'll support Prince John. But luckily, uh, Robin has made a bunch of friends with a bunch of violent poor people and they overthrow um, the, the usurpers and restore order and he hooks up with Maid Marian. That's, that's the story. And that's the story of basically all of the films. <laughs> but the way this film does it is, is quite... Um, it, it is very much like the the raw adventure sort of approach, and it it's 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 nice to watch it. It's nice to watch something that that does that and believes in it is sincerely trying to be like a big raw adventure, as opposed to like little elements of irony being slipped in there, as uh, <laughs> maybe some more modern adaptations have done yeah. when they've played up the heroic elements of of Robin Hood. Yeah, it just plays it very authentically, and it um is all the best for it. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't really a point where they're going, oh, is what we're doing wrong? Like, there's none of that. It's like, <laughs> no. no, no, we're definitely right. And we do Off it with the... our hands on our hips with lots of laughter. And... Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and we it's, need... it's very black and white, considering yeah. it's a Technicolor film. Yes. And what a Technicolor film. Oh, I mean, those colours, they were primary. <laughs> they, they were bright. And they were there. This was the first colour adaptation of Robin Hood. We um, we had a bit of research during the, um, during the watching of the film. And mm. yes, first... Um, uh, big screen uh, color adaptation, first big screen sound adaptation mm. as well by an American studio, uh, Warner Brothers, really put putting together a really good film. I mean, this film is eighty four years old at the time of this recording. Um, you know, there's there's not many things that are eighty four years old that still function really yeah. well. This, but this <laughs> film does. It's 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 colorful and it's delightful. The soundtrack, which we'll get onto into a little bit, is is pretty good as well. Like it's it's a it's pretty remarkable just how how quite good it is without saying that it's without saying that it's you know great because Mm. it has aged but it's good yeah if this was on like a tv on you know it was if this was playing on tv on a rainy sunday afternoon i'd put it on Mm. i'd put it on sit down and watch it yeah um obviously the cast for this film is is pretty excellent um and of course this film is generally known as oh the errol flynn one uh so we should probably talk about errol uh the world's most famous tasmanian um he's 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 great he's really fun in this isn't he robert i love his uh line delivery i love that um the, the pacing at which they deliver lines in this. Mm, I, you mean like, rapid fire? <laughs> the rapid fire, very stilted and rapid fire, um, pleases me to no end. And I wish more films would do that just to get through it quicker. Mm. I think I think all films would be an hour and a half long if 
everybody spoke at the pace mm. that this film goes. And the sword fights were sped up that little bit as well. Yeah, just yeah. Like, we should just bit, shoot yeah. it at 22 frames instead mm. of 24 yeah. and we'll just like... <laughs> That yeah, extra bit of action. Yeah, save, save ourselves a minute or two there. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's anyone who's uh, just endured the final two episodes of Stranger Things would maybe have appreciated that. Good as they were, they were long. Yeah. Um, yes, it's but he's he, it's important that Robin Hood, the casting is right because otherwise, I don't think you can really save the film. Um, and well, especially this one, like the it, he's written, he's so like from the very very first moment. He is so assured mm. and cocky mm. and, and full of himself that, like, yeah, I was like, oh, this could be grating mm. <laughs> if, if it was, if, it, if, if it's not charming. Mm. Did you find it grating at all, Carmen, as the first time viewer? No, I found it quite charming. Mm. I imagine Errol Flynn, from what I know about him as a person, would probably... I would find him grating, but mm. this was not grating. He was he was quite charming. I could see why I could see why he was a, a thing back in the day. Mm. Yeah, no, he's he's the good. Most, the most grating thing though is his haircut. In oh, this film. that is yes. grating. Yes, that is grating. Yeah, yeah, the wig that he is and wearing. Flynn is a handsome man. I mean, it's, that haircut is not doing anything. But it's more. a historical haircut. That's what everyone looked like <laughs> in eleven ninety one, right? They all had finger waves. Yeah, <laughs> historically accurate. All of the costumes and hair. Well, I'm pretty sure this film is very historically accurate. The amount of meat they were eating really. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, the, the, amount amount of meat. Of, the amount of purple, oh. bright purple that everyone was wearing. That would have been exactly. This film would be so hungry. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this film had cartoon meat without it being a cartoon, <laughs> and it was brilliant um yeah. and yeah about halfway through robert was salivating a little bit <laughs> i'm so hungry i should have eaten before the movie um yeah it's it, it, it but it is important that you get robin hood right and um you know I, i've i've seen most adaptations of robin hood i've seen i think they've gotten the casting right i think the fox in the disney one is really good i can't remember the actor that voiced him but um but but the fox is good um you know where uh, men in tights as we'll see in a couple of weeks uh, for, for a comedy robin hood i think they got that mixture of comedic acting and the the heroic uh cocksure robin hood i think carrie eels does a good job of that um kevin costner Kevin Costner's pretty good, yeah. Um, I, 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 Is he? I'm, Russell Crowe. I haven't seen the Russell Crowe one. So Karen Edgerton. Were, were they? Were they good? <laughs> Maybe not. I, I, I want to wait and see what happens. <laughs> at, 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 at the time of recording this, I don't know what the what the. Uh, oh yes, the, yeah. we, we still don't know what the audience have chosen yet. Yeah, um, so, so I'm, I'm keen to find. Out we'll find what, out, and then yeah. we'll get Rob's real, real real thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but yeah, I think. Um, in this specific case, obviously, Errol Flynn just just nailed it. Yeah, yeah. and you you can see in Men in Tights that Carrie Ells is just um, he he's imper- you know he, yeah. he's Errol Flynn. He's yeah. trying to be Errol Flynn. Yeah, um, which I think works perfectly in that film. But I think uh, is you know there's a reason why he's impersonating it, and it's mm. because it's a damn fine performance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Although I I don't know if a 2020s version of Robin Hood would work no. with with someone acting exactly as Errol Flynn does in this. No, no, definitely not. Mm. But as like a first, you know, here's a you know film with like a what would you say a, a three quarter of a million dollar castle set, and yeah. all glorious <laughs> technicolor and full sound, and oh yes, this this is a yeah. perfect Robin Hood for that kind yeah. of film. Yeah, bombastic and fun. Exactly. Uh, Olivia de Havilland as Maid Marian. Um, Oh, she's just lovely in this. She, she's she's just like she. I think she plays that that. Admittedly, everyone in this film is a caricature. Nobody really develops. Nobody yeah. goes on a journey. <laughs> so it's really important that you get that that caricature bang on. 
Um, and I just really liked her Maid Marian. I thought she did a really good job of playing a very archetypal female lead for a 30s uh, historical adventure film. Where... I mean, well, she does have an arc. She starts yeah. off yeah. as a as the Norman and then... Mm. And then it's like, oh, maybe the Saxons aren't bad. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's like, a fair she, point. She, does, yeah, she has she, probably has the biggest talk. <laughs> yeah, because she changes she her mind. And then she didn't, yeah, yeah, she changes her mind on one thing. Yeah. Basically. It's and a big thing. That's the, that's the, that's the whole yeah. art. Yeah. But, I mean, her job in this is to, you know, look pretty and look mm. vulnerable. And she did that very well. I mean, I like, I, I, I like that they tried to give her... Um, some some impetus in the story by <laughs> by her trying to be active an active participant in the saving of Robin Hood yep. at mm. a certain by point. basically but, telling them telling the merry yeah. men oh what, we what should go save it does is like, we're not entirely sure <laughs> and they do kind of cross dissolve out before we get to what her big plan is which is mm. probably what they would have done anyway so <laughs> mm. but yeah she's um, she's she's very good uh, Basil Rathbone of course mm. uh, as as the villainous guy of Gisborne he's um Mustache twirling villain. Yeah. My favorite. He's, They're always my favorite. Yeah, he's he's great. As I was saying, uh, there, there seems to be quite a few uh, Universal monster actors in mm. in this cast and they're all they're all the fun big hammy performers and i love them <laughs> well i know very little about the golden age of hollywood you know mm. i really should know more than i do but basil rathbone like i know him um he played sherlock holmes mm. which hollywood monster did he play oh he he, he was he was Frankenstein in uh, Son of Frankenstein. He was mm. the Doctor. Oh, uh, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, he was uh, also gotcha. yep, yep. he was also in films like um, uh, the Spider Woman, which yep. was yeah. uh, not a Marvel comic adaptation, sadly, but was uh, you know those sort of like forties horror films. Right, uh, right. He, he, he was so he wasn't like horror, you know, he, he was always cast as the creepy. Yeah, evil. so he wasn't like the Mummy or something like that. <laughs> no, but he no, was like no. in in a lot of horror movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah like Christopher just, Lee. Was, Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Look, looking through his uh, his filmography, he's in things like Terror by Night and okay. things like that. So he appeared in a lot of them, but also he's Sherlock Holmes. He's Sherlock Holmes. And but yeah, um, he's he's just. He does this thing, which I, I really think is, again, important for these, like, villains which aren't fully in charge of the situation, but are maybe the most competent, which is where he just looks really put upon by everyone else around him, <laughs> but he's trying not to express it, and yep. it's it's wonderful. It does work. Yeah. He's just, no, sir, I, I feel like Charles Dance would have played that role really well <laughs> yeah. had he been around at the time. It just, just really just like, these idiots. No, I'll deal with it, the kind of thing. He's he's, he's very good at that, though. Yeah. And a good foil to uh, to Errol Flynn's sort of very charming ha-ha approach. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and uh, really nice to see uh, an early appearance of Reese Darby as uh, Prince John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, of course, it's Claude Rains, but he's got a very sort of Reese Darby. Um, the invisible man. Yeah, our flag means death vibe to him. Um, but yeah, Prince John. He does John. look very like him. Mm. very very red hair like yeah everything yeah. the saturation i just it's, it's, you can't get over how saturated in color this it, just the, the little the little shimmery sequence on robin's outfit at the beginning mm. but it, was it, it is so colorful though it is so colorful. i'm like I, i'm trying to you know bold, place bold, myself flat it, color yeah like 
Yeah. Trying to place myself back in the 1930s with like, oh, wow. Okay. So color mm. cinema is a thing and going to the cinema is a big spectacle event. And then going, okay, the adventures of Robin Hood. And then seeing this, yeah. seeing mm. like green isn't green. It's green in capital letters. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, blue is blue. It's it's all just like everything. There's no, there's no, yeah. there's no fading between colors. Right. It's it's mm. just bright block colors. And it, yeah. I, it works. It feels like watching... You know, like a like a pantomime, like a yeah. theatre production, yeah. but but with a budget. Yeah, and it's and it's great. It's just really fun. Yeah, it kind of feels to me like, um, you know, like when you're preparing for Halloween and you walk down the candy store aisle and mm. it's just like color, color everywhere, and yeah. it's just it's so exciting. Yeah, even from this, fr- this is Tuck, yeah. who's in a lot of brown. That brown still popped. Oh like, yeah, <laughs> compared to like the the natural browns and greens yeah. that were behind him, well, like he still also he, like his, his skin tone and things as well. Like mm. it just really popped from the brown. Like you, yeah, you got a lot of color in his mm. face, and yeah. And I think it really helped that whoever was in charge of hats for this film <laughs> and helmets just had a ball making the most ridiculous, <laughs> like based on the what people wore at the time. But you know the wimples, the fez that um, Una O'Connor <laughs> wears at one point. Like it's. It's just brilliant. It's it's it, it's just really fun to watch. At no point was I bored by this film. No. Yeah, the whole time. If something, if the plot's not doing something interesting, it looks interesting. Or mm. someone's speaking in a silly voice, or something's happening. <laughs> like it's it's a very engaging piece of entertainment, and it's good fun. Yeah, yeah it's good fun. Um, was there a particular sequence that stood out for you, Robert, rewatching this? Anything that stands out as like, yeah, this this is why this film is is so revered historically speaking. Oh, um, I mean the 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 one that I remembered from childhood was the the staircase sword fight, mm. Mm. and and um, I, a bit that I had forgotten about, but watching now, I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Is it? turning into a shadow play mm. and then that, that was on the pillar so cool. and then coming back in going yeah in and out like all that. in one shot as well yeah, yeah that, which that is, was really that's cool that's quite theatrical but really fun mm. <laughs> yeah it was watching that and, and again it was a shot with a bit of transition to it as well which yeah. there aren't huge amount of movement shots there's some yeah. like for establishing scenes there's a lot of like tracking shots but in the middle of the fight having that quite wide pan but then having it just move ever so slightly so you see the full scape of this set is was was great and yeah moving into the shadow and such clear shadows almost as though they had giant lights on them the entire time robert <laughs> yeah that that is something that i uh, i noted watching this especially in all of the exterior forest scenes that were shot on location is mm. um you can you can see just the force of bright light being shoved in the actors' faces just to get a, a good exposure on a, the image mm. of this old Technicolor film. I think there was like one or two shots that were shot outside that had slightly darker, um, darker lighting, and you could see why they needed to because the grain in those shots was really, really prominent. Mm. Um, but yeah, just being seeing like the the bottom level of a forest be really bright and then it just kind of like fades into darkness up, <laughs> up mm. to the trees even though it's bright blue sky <laughs> above mm. just that's delightful i love that <laughs> mm. uh carmen was there a sequence in this film that stood out for you well i forgot about the shadow bit until you mentioned it um robert i really enjoyed that 
Um, yeah, pro- I, I like the staircase fight. I like the archery tournament. Mm. Um, I think I just liked in general um, just picking up on how many lines then got regurgitated in later adaptations. Like mm. having read plays of Robin Hood, I'm like, oh, that's where that line's from. That's where mm. that line's from. And then like how many lines um, or, and sequences popped up then again in Men in Tights as well, obviously. Mm. Um, because, I mean, before this, I was probably only familiar with Men in Tights and the Disney adaptation, which mm. I don't actually remember much of the Disney adaptation. Mm. Um, but it's nice to sort of see where a lot of these um, tropes have originated. That's mm. that's really fun. Yeah, I I, I, do, I will say that the archery sequence was, was really good. And even though, you know, pretty much what's going to happen, you know, mm. Robin will probably win the tournament and then get captured. It's still captivating it's it's still well told the way they're doing it and i do feel bad for that guy that's still got a perfect bullseye <laughs> yeah yeah he, he got the bullseye just because robin went second and split the arrow i believe that archer could have split robin's arrow had it been arrested. i believe in him yeah it does feel like they should have at least moved the target back 10 feet again and then yeah. just been like all right go again just that that felt uh honestly bullshit <laughs> it's like the sporting integrity of this trap is not good <laughs> poor sir matt yes yeah poor sir sir matt of painting uh, he was, uh, yeah he, he really got screwed there um but it was yeah it, it, it's really fun there's a lot of good sequences and it did feel like it actually lived up to the title adventures like there were a lot mm. these self-contained scenes didn't feel like separate chapters in a book, but they did feel like little self-contained adventures, even though they're all based in the same expensive location in a lot of them. Um, there, there was some nice uh, differentiation um, between them. And um, I also really enjoyed getting King Richard involved earlier in the plot than he normally does. Yeah, I I, I always feel like King Richard is kind of a deus ex machina in a mm. Robin Hood story. Mm. He just kind of... He like shows up at the end and goes, "All right, this is the end now. We're done. Mm. <laughs> Let's just solve everything because we've been here for two hours." Mm. But uh, in this <laughs> one, yeah, like they they at least we've been here for an hour and twenty. Yeah, mm. let, let's get him Richard, in. Yeah. Um, he he's gonna be murdered. Let's stop this. Like mm. I, I don't that doesn't. I mean, it doesn't happen in the Disney one. No, no, he very much turns up at the end and yeah. goes, none off of this, yeah. I have the moral authority. It was just nice, just to, it was a bit different, which mm. feels weird saying about like maybe the first classic one, but but it is quite different from other adaptations that I've seen. But yeah, King Richard turns up, it's like, oh, everyone gather up your stuff, it's yeah. time to go. Um, yeah, whereas in this, yeah, you know, he's there with everyone wearing multicolored robes. Like, oh like God. I'm the purple guy, I'm the red guy, just trying to look inconspicuous in a tavern that is just gray and brown. <laughs> Which is fabulous. As you say, all looking like they're sitting down to play D and D. Yeah, like a big it's... haunch of, of roast meat next to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so don't, don't mind us. We just sat in the middle of this room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it was nice bringing them in, and like he got to see a little bit of how Robin was behaving and was able to make a decision. Oh, Robin is behaving in a way that I, as king, find just. And mm. like the, these men are not just a bunch of rebels looking for their own personal gain. Like, it very much cemented... No, the king, because he has the moral authority, because that's how it works in medieval societies, he's seen this and gone, this is just. And therefore, their actions and the robbery that they've done is justified. And, you know, they're they're very tame in their crimes. There's a lot more slapping of buttocks with swords (laughs) than stabbing, for example. It it is a lot tamer in this this film. I wonder, is this a post-Haze Code film? There was one scene, uh, they, they had a montage of um, where 
Prince John's men are, are going out doing terrible things and overtaxing everyone right at the start, and mm. and Robin Hood's men are like shooting them all down. And there was one scene in a tavern where a guy had a had a woman, um, and was was look looked like there was about to be something sexually untoward there, mm. but he got an arrow in the back just before it. Yeah, <laughs> an arrow in a very padded Ooh. back. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I felt like they dealt with the the more gruesome aspects of history. Like, we, mm. we didn't see anyone get hung. We saw a pair of feet dangling at one point. A lot of people get shot with arrows. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. a lot of people get shot with arrows. Even, like, when they're like, oh, Robin Hood, you know, you've been convicted of, like, these 10 really serious crimes and you're going to be hanged by the neck till you're dead. I'm like, that's it. That's, yeah. you know, after watching Game of Thrones and, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, all the all the stuff that goes down in medieval torture, it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. Take that, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't... I, I was hoping it would not be particularly gruesome and it wasn't, which was good. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they do tend to uh, sort of not whitewash, I guess whitewash is not the right term for this film, but mm. um, gloss over that, I guess. So I just had a quick look uh, through my notes and um, Warner Brothers in the mid thirties were doing quite well with gritty crime dramas, but they were falling foul of the Hayes Code at the time. Oh, okay. So this film was one that was specifically picked to basically not trouble the Hayes Code. They were like, this is getting really irritating. So they were like, let's do a historical drama where mm. it's easier to avoid a lot of the issues that the Hayes Code have and we'll we'll make a fun historical romp. So so the Hayes Code yeah. was in effect. Okay. Um but yes, they they were like, Yeah, we don't want to deal with that. Let's yeah. just yeah. let's just that, make Errol Flynn go, ha ha instead. That definitely makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Um and, and, you know, I mean gritty reboots of Robin Hood have come since. Um they have. And are they any good, Robert? Swash, swashbuckling reboots mm. have come mm. since. Um, they, th- my, my problem with the two last big ones mm. was both of them were essentially prequels that set up Robin Hood. And uh, then okay. they were not popular enough to warrant a sequel that would have been the actual story of Robin Hood. (laughs) Mm. And there's nothing more frustrating than the first chapter of a film Mm. that ends and then, well, wait till next time. And then it was not good enough to warrant a sequel. So that, that's, Mm. that's my main problem with them. Um, Mm. But look, we'll, we might get to that later. Um, we, we, we might indeed. <laughs> um, speaking of sequels, did this one have any sequels? It did not. Yeah. Um, no, sure. it, there, there were plans for a potential sequel. Mm-hmm. There was a little thing called the Second World War, which ah, didn't yes. help. That will that will throw a wrench in your in yeah. Your ears. yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't the, the only reason. Um, according to uh, the TA... I'll say that again. According to the TCM host, Robert Osborne, the film was massively successful and a sequel was commissioned. But the US government wanted to restrict the amount of money invested into filmmaking because of anticipating going into the mm. Second World War. Of mm. course, the United States wouldn't join until 1941 officially, but yep. um, they were aware we, we need to budget accordingly. Yeah. So um, there was a limited amount of funding going into movies. And considering that this movie was one of the most expensive movies mm. ever made at the time it was made, mm. 
making a sequel to it was always going to be a bit of an issue. Um, so the project was delayed, and eventually uh, World War II ends in 1945, but the project had to be scrapped because Olivia de Havilland and Claude Rains were no longer Warner Brothers employees by that point. Oh, of course, this uh, was a time when, yeah, everyone mm. was contracted to a studio. Yeah, yeah. so the, because of losing two of the four main stars, mm. I mean, you could have probably made the sequel without Claude Rains. Prince John could be wrapped up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, doing it without Olivia de Havilland might have been... Um, well, clearly, they went, no, we can't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, which is um, which is a shame. Well, but, from what I can yeah. see down in our, um, um, you know, recommended movies, it seems like uh, Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland did actually do a lot of other films together. They did. Uh, I believe they did eight films together. Wow. Again, um, excuse my ignorance. I know no, no, it's just like all Warner Brothers Hollywood, films. So. Yeah, no. Yeah, um, yeah they, they, they kept getting casting things together because... I mean, they, they work really they well work. together. Yeah, they yeah. Do, yeah. You know, their, their relationship is a little bit cartoony, um, <laughs> but it's, for, for a cartoony film, it's, it's pretty believable. Um, at least I, I found it. I was like, yeah, I, I buy it. Yeah. Not as much as I buy Una and uh, March. <laughs> also Bess, as she's known in the film. Yeah. The, the comic relief relationship was fantastic. That was My great. Favorite. That was really great. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they, they, they appeared in quite a few films together. I believe Captain Blood. Which was a couple of years yeah, before, before this, this was yeah. was like their first big yep. uh, film together. Pirates, yeah, big big piratey adventure, um, and uh, probably part of the reason Errol Flynn actually ended up getting the Robin Hood role because yeah. he was a mm. swashbuckling pirate guy. Same director, uh, eight films in total: uh, Captain Blood, The Charge of the Light Brigade, uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood, which was the third one they did together, um, Falls a Crowd, Dodge City, The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex. Santa Fe Trial, uh, sorry, Santa Fe Trail. Santa Fe Trial is very different. <laughs> and they died with their boots on. All of those films were made between 1935 and 1941. So their fourth film together was called Forza Crowd. Yes, very pleasing actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they yeah they um yeah they they had a, a pretty pretty successful um on screen relationship. Um, the Tom uh, Hanks and Meg Ryan of their day. Very Indeed. much so. Uh, very much as uh, there was speculation about, did they, did they have other relationships? Uh, but Olivia de Havilland was very insistent um, throughout her life, uh, saying, no, she said uh, he was married, so... That didn't stop him at all? But... No, well, no, it, it was more that it stopped her, yeah, is, yeah. is what was implied. Mm. Um, whether or not you choose to believe that is up to you at home, <laughs> but uh, at the very least, um, it, it does seem as though they were just really good friends good who worked well together and played good love interests with each yeah. other and obviously you know eight films in six years you're mm. going to develop that that chemistry together mm. um and yeah it was it was good fun they're, they're, they were good fun uh would you guys like some trivia about robin hood from 1938 Later. go for it okay all of this trivia is sourced from imdb so if it's not true don't blame me uh, first bit of trivia during one fight scene errol flynn was jabbed by an actor who was using an unprotected sword uh, he asked him why the guard uh, didn't have a point on it on the end of the sword. Um, the other actor apologised and explained that the director, Michael Curtis, had instructed him to remove the safety feature in order to make the action, quote, more exciting, end quote. Flynn reportedly climbed a gantry where Curtis was standing next to a camera, took him by the throat and asked him if he found that, quote, exciting enough, <laughs> end quote. Um, yeah, safety was not a big concern on this film I mean, like, you has, get not a much sense has of changed, that when, but... when you watch yeah. like the hundreds of men jumping out yeah. of trees I mean, I mean, onto um, horses uh, Basil Rathbone got 
badly injured um in in that initial uh scene where robin brings the stag mm. into the, the the banquet and then escapes when mm. when they all jump on basil rathbone he had to have i think eight stitches in his foot like Ooh. his foot got cut open because he got trampled on Ooh. by all of those actors so yeah there, there were there yeah. were injury concerns and I don't think Michael Curd has helped it by saying, yeah, take the safety thing off the end of the sword. Yeah. <laughs> It'd a real blood would be exciting. You know, it's <laughs> like, no, Michael, that's not how it works. And and one of the other reasons for potentially not having a sequel, although I'm sure they could have gotten another director, but was that, uh, yeah, Errol and Michael really didn't get on. Mm. Um, they they did not like each other, um, which is, is a shame to hear. Um, the production used all 11 Technicolor cameras that existed in the world in 1938. <laughs> they were all returned to Technicolor at the end of each day's filming. Oh my God, what a nightmare. Mm. <sighs> but that's why it was so colourful, because there were 11 cameras shooting colour onto the scene, because that's how it works, I presume. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Howard Hill, who is listed in the credits as Captain of the Archers and Elwyn the Welshman from the archery competition, um, was actually... A very proficient archer. Uh, he made the shot where the arrow split the other arrow, as well as lots of the other shots of the arrows just going into the targets in general. Um, he also did all of the shots that required an arrow to hit a human target. So it was his job to make oh. sure, I'm going to shoot the giant bit of padding we have underneath <laughs> and not your actual face oh or God. leg yeah. or arm. That was their that safety. That was a lot of those shots. Yeah, he, he was... Um, he had his work cut out, yeah. I think. But apparently no major injuries from, from the archery. So. Well, so they say. So they say. Um, he also worked closely with the sound department to produce the distinctive arrow sounds that were used in this film, which became the distinctive arrow sounds for every film afterwards. The... Yeah. <laughs> which is a pretty pretty neat thing to have... Um... To have worked on, yeah. To have worked on, and then to have such a lasting impact. Because, mm. like, I, re- I the first time you heard an arrow being loosed and then just making that, even though it would have yeah. already hit the target by the time the sound <laughs> was made, it was like, yes, that's that's <laughs> satisfying. And I, it's very, it's like Star Wars is pew pew lasers. Yeah. yeah, it's very much the same as that. Um, and it was lovely to see. Errol Flynn was not happy when Michael Curtis was assigned to take over direction of this film early on um, because they had clashed while filming The Charge of the Light Brigade, especially when he, an avid horseman, saw Curtis's indifference to the injuries and deaths that occurred to many of the horses during the film. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah, apparently Michael Curtis was a bit of a dick who didn't, didn't care about people getting injured, or indeed, horses. Yeah, I mean, well, Errol Flynn was not... You know, he was also a bit of a dick, yeah, but yes, in but, a different way. In, yeah. in, 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 but yeah. he liked horses. Yeah. He so, liked horses, so he's yeah. fine. And know? I, as King Richard, say that he is right. <laughs> this is okay. The Sir Joseph Hooker Oak, called the Gallows Oak in this film, where Robin Hood forms his outlaw band, was supposedly the largest living oak tree in the world at the time of filming. Uh, the rock that Errol Flynn stands on in front of the tree was a prop. The oak uh, stood until 1979 when it was felled by lightning. Uh, and then was discovered that it was, in fact, two oak trees that had fused together over time. Uh, interesting. So, yeah, that was apparently the biggest oak tree in the world, or well, they thought it was. Mm. It's actually two trees in a trench coat, actually, <laughs> which is uh, pleasing to see. The centrepiece of the film was a full-scale, historically accurate replica of Nottingham Castle as it appeared in the 1100s. The set cost nearly a third of the movie's $2 million budget. And uh, it remained the largest 
most expensive detailed movie set until 1964 with the replica of the Roman Forum for the fall of the Roman Empire. Wow. So did they keep that set for other movies? Because I feel like that's I something so. that you would keep. <laughs> I really hope that it got used in a few other things. I, I don't know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it was... So yeah, one in every three dollars spent on this film <laughs> was on that castle set. No wonder we spent so much time there. Mm. It looks great though. Oh, it does, very, yeah. Like there's a... It's not just one area. It's mm. like a... There's, there's at least like... It feels like three or four... Yeah. And I'm, areas of that main big space mm. that, that that are built out. And I'm going to assume that includes the dungeon and Marion's oh, yeah. bedroom and the uh, the, the wall yeah. that um, Errol Flynn climbs up uh, with the matte painting. I mean, I mean, yeah, like nowadays you would you would make all those pillars and and walls. You would just like have them like a modular thing, so you could reconfigure them and make them into as many different rooms as you wanted. Mm. But mm. Uh, it looks yeah. like they were all pretty reinforced and yeah. stuff they've got people running up and down them yes. you'll, be, you'll be watching uh some movie on the podcast you know 18 months down the line and be like that set looks familiar <gasps> they reused the set <laughs> yes um the stunt players um who were in the heavily padded suits for being shot by arrows were paid 150 dollars per arrow being shot at them so nice. uh they was like look we're gonna shoot you with an arrow <laughs> but it's howard he's pretty good uh you get an extra 150 bucks, which in every 19... time we do it, yeah, and in 1938 money, that's not something to sneeze at. That's yeah, yeah I could see a few people going, Yeah, all right, go on. <laughs> go on then, I'll buy a house or a car if you do it enough times, that'd be great. Yeah, you just keep it up intentionally so they'd have to retake, yeah, yeah just ducking at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, it counts if it's shot near me, right? <laughs> um, <It's> risky, <laughs> risky way to make money, but. Yeah. Look, they've just come out of the Great Depression. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Like yeah. it's like it's it's you're gonna take that risk. Um Robin Hood kills sixteen people over the course of the film, ten of them in the first battle. So uh yeah, he's pretty pretty bloodthirsty at the beginning of this film and then sort of calmed his farm as it went on. Um the final bit of trivia. Sorry, the second to last bit of trivia. I, I just realized there was one more. When Sir Guy and Nottingham return after being fleeced by Robin Hood, Prince John calls them nincompoops, which is an anachronism! Yeah. Uh, because the word nincompoop has its origins in the late 17th century, some 500 years after Robin Hood. So uh, uh, just for our linguists out there who I'm sure were listening and going, you can't use nincompoop, that's incorrect, then uh, that, that's why. But then again, I, I'm sure a lot of the dentistry on show in this film yeah, is maybe... Say, like, yeah, maybe the wigs are not, you know. <laughs> the, the colours they had. Yeah, the knight who appeared to have like a cake. I know it wasn't, but it, the, he had it's the a pattern. Cake, yeah. yeah, he had like a pattern of a cake on his tabard. Like it was, yeah. I'm pretty sure Robin Hood didn't wear glitter or <laughs> sequins. It was, yeah. Uh, but yeah, nincompoop, not around at the time. The final bit of trivia... Before he began to compose the score, Eric Wolfgang Korngold was living in Austria and conducting for the opera. In March 1938, Austria was invaded and annexed by Nazi Germany, and Korngold's home in Vienna was confiscated. Since the situation of all Jews in Austria was now endangered, Korngold moved to the United States, where he began working on this film and then lived until the end of the war. He later stated that the opportunity to score this film saved his life. Because that was the reason he was... Basically allowed, allowed to leave. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, even if you didn't like this film, it, it saved a man's life. So 
it's it's good by my books. Yep. Uh, and no one got killed by the arrow, so no one got cancelled out. <laughs> Sorry. The other one. Net gain. Yes, yes. Net gain of life. Well yeah. done. Excellent. It's a good score too. Yeah. Yes. It's is a good score. Yeah. I mean, the the score is is pretty pretty rousing it, it does well i mean um robert treated us to a little uh, uh impromptu play of it picking it up by ear which was nice beforehand on his keyboard it's, there's not much of it that's like there's there's a lot of modulation in it which mm. is not obviously period accurate <laughs> and instruments being used that are not period accurate but but it's uh, like an of the time score and mm. it's uh it's it's good fun yeah, it it, it is, yeah. and yeah, we, we I really felt that call to adventure, and it was yeah. it was nice. It was some, yeah. just I just think I'm just very impressed with it. I, I wasn't sure what to expect from this film. I thought it might be okay to 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 good because of how well respected it was from the time, but it's actually pretty good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It's well, it's like it's very, uh it's very pulpy like it and mm. it hits yeah. it hits all of the main beats and there is mm. no fluff to it it's just like it doesn't give you it doesn't give you time to 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 get annoyed with it because it just <laughs> mm. it does all of the main major beats yeah. yeah it's like a greatest hits of robin hood and then it gets out and it, and it is interesting as well because it does feel thinking about other films from the time i don't know if there was a film like this before this was made in terms of like the, the, the were swashbuckling adventures but with this level of sheen mm. on it right at this yeah, level yeah. of production value sort of showing just how tight and how well made it could be there was maybe one or two like sudden edit cuts where i was like well that's a strange choice or i mean there, technically there's yeah. a lot of of uh jump cutting there's mm. a lot of um yeah continuity mistakes between cutting mm. within scenes Mm. Where someone's speaking and then it cuts to the a close up and then it cuts to a wide and yeah. they're in completely different positions. But or they're sitting it's, down it's, twice. Like yeah, yeah, it's like but that that kind of thing you kind of gloss over it in this style. Mm. In this, it's yeah, it's not as it's not as a much of a an issue. No, I feel like not as this. jarring as in a, a modern film. No. perhaps would you say? Because yeah. because all the setups are so you like those old cameras and like the the lensing of them, mm. uh, so spherical. <laughs> and yeah, I, I do like that. Um, uh, but it's it yeah, it does feel very staged. The the action in it, um, but like always cutting to a close up of someone speaking mm. um, from a wide, and the close up is like it feels like it could have been shot. 30 days later in some other location mm-hmm. like like there's no there's no uh continuity between their close-up and then when you cut to the wide and there's like six people yeah. around them like that's not where they were at all it's just yeah. like they've had to <laughs> they've had to light this person and get a camera that's the size of a truck mm. next to them and so like everything's changed mm. so yeah th- those those kinds of things you don't really notice as much yeah uh well it is now time for us to score the film and uh, dr carmen as it was your first time watching it you get to go first what score would you like to give the adventures of robin hood out of 10 uh, I'm going to go for seven sequins on Robin Hood's sleeve out of ten. Mm. Yes, nice and shiny. Nice and shiny. Uh, and, and good fun. And good fun. Uh, Robert? I'm going to go for seven rotisserie pigs. Because <laughs> you're hungry. <laughs> I'm so hungry. hungry. I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to complete the hat trick. I'm going to fire my arrow between your arrow, which is just split Carmen's arrow, because I'm also going to go seven <laughs> out of ten. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go... Um, 
I'm going to go seven colorfully robed, possibly wizards in the tavern <laughs> um, because it honestly did just look like a, a D&D group had gotten together. Um, I, I had, For I had, Pride Week. Yeah. yeah. I had the, the good fortune to be in Melbourne a couple of months ago and went to um, a D&D slash general fantasy culture themed bar. Um, uh, the name of which is completely escaping me now, which I'm very annoyed at because uh, if you're in Melbourne, please go there. It's tremendously good fun. Um, but when I turned up, the thing that really sold the atmosphere to me were there. There was a, like a like a Bucks night party, but they were all in like chainmail, like like King Richard's <laughs> retinue. Oh, awesome. They were all just there in chainmail with beards, with with beards and with beards, uh, and they were just cheering and going hurrah. That <laughs> and, was awesome. Yeah, and but everyone else in the bar was just dressed normally. <laughs> but it was like I was like, yeah, it was it was a really wonderful place. It was Fortress Melbourne. The bar specifically was called. Dungeons and Flaggons. Uh, oh, very yes. good. Very um, good. But, it, but seeing those guys all sat there in their robes just reminded me of that. And I know that shouldn't make me think of the film better, but it did. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was a really fun time. I want to go back and, and visit that. Um, but, and this was a really fun time as well, this film. So uh, Robert and uh, Carmen, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thank you for a fun episode. Yeah, good times. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. We've got a few more Robin Hood films to go. Uh, in fact, next week, we will be looking at Disney's Robin Hood from 1973, which may not be as colourful as this one on reflection, because <laughs> this was a very colourful film. Uh, but if you want to uh, tune in and uh, hear that, you can subscribe to the programme by going to soundcloud itunes spotify whatever podcasting provider you use we should be there and if we're not send me an email and i'll get it fixed uh but yes just look for the cinema catch-up club there and you can get new episodes each and every week uh as we said we also don't know what our final robin hood film of the month is going to be uh by the time that this episode is out there will be a public voting poll that will be live and uh, i believe will be live for um about 48 hours from when this episode is released to when it will be closed. So if you're listening to this in the first day or two days, uh, jump over to our Facebook page and uh, search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. You can find the poll and vote. Uh, you can vote on all sorts of things. Knock yourself out. And, uh, you know, leave us comments, reviews, whatever you want to do. Uh, and, of course, there is our Patreon. You can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash podcast, And for as little as a dollar a month, you can... Um, Take from yourselves and give to me, which I think is very much the spirit of the Robin Hood films. Uh, but yes, uh, that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Bye-bye. Ta-ra. <laughs> <laughs>